The following episode is certified grim for extreme violence, abusive behaviour and excessively surreal imagery and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello there and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name is Matthew Hughes and with me on this journey is my co-host Mr Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The Juniper Tree. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. It is now long ago, at least 2,000 years, since there was a rich man who had a beautiful and pious wife, and they loved each other dearly. 2,000 years. 2,000 years. This has got to be our earliest story yet. That's amazing. Well, they're not normally dated. No. I mean, they're quite dated in a sense, but... This is the only one we've had that's like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. far away. (laughs) Okay, 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Is this a biblical story? Wow, Adam, that's... uh... Oh. Oh, don't get ahead of yourself. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Backpedal. (laughs) Can't get anything past you, can we? (laughs) Oh. They had, however, no children, though they wished for them very much. And the woman prayed for them night and day, but still they had none. Now, there was a courtyard in front of their house in which was a juniper tree. And one day in winter, the woman was standing beneath it, paring herself an apple. And while she was paring herself the apple, she cut her finger and the blood fell on the snow. (gasps) Ah! said the woman and sighed heavily and looked at the blood before her and was most unhappy. (laughs) Yeah, it would make you unhappy, wouldn't it? (laughs) Ah! If I had but a child as red as blood and as white as snow. And while she thus spoke, she became quite happy in her mind and felt just as if that were going to happen. Is she about to pass out? (laughs) Then she went into the house and a month went by and the snow was gone. And two months and then everything was green. And three months and then all the flowers came out of the earth. And four months and then all the trees in the wood grew thicker and the green branches were all closely entwined and the birds sang until the wood resounded and the blossoms fell from the trees. Then the fifth month passed away and she stood under the juniper tree which smelled so sweetly that her heart leapt and she fell on her knees and was beside herself with joy. And when the sixth month was over the fruit was large and fine and then she was quite still. And the seventh month she snatched the juniper berries and ate them greedily then she grew sick and sorrowful. Then what? the eighth month What's passed. Going on? She called her husband to her and wept and said, If I die, bury me beneath the juniper tree. What is happening? Then she was quite comforted and happy until the next month was over. Are we doing all 2,000 years in months? <laughs> and then she had a child as white as snow and as red as blood. And when she saw it, she was so delighted that she died. Whoa. <sighs> And that is the setup of the juniper tree. Whew. What just happened? So yes, nine months. Nine months after she cut a finger, pu- cutting an apple, mm-hmm. and then and then in the ninth month she had she the child. gave birth, and she was so delighted she yeah. just died. And the child is as white as snow and as red as blood. You can't be both, really. That's just sort of pink, isn't it? <laughs> then her husband buried her beneath the juniper tree, and he began to weep sorely. Oh. After some time, he was more at ease. (laughs) How long? 20 minutes? (laughs) And though he still wept, he could bear it. Yeah. And after some time longer, he took another wife. (laughs) (laughs) Grieving. Done. Yeah. By the second wife, he had a daughter named Marlinkin, 
<laughs> Marlinken. Marlinken. Marlinchen. What's the first baby called? Juniper. Uh, we don't know. Oh no. Uh, when this when this new wife looked at her daughter Marlinken, she loved her very much. But then she looked at the little boy, and it seemed to cut her to the heart. For the thought came into her mind that he would always stand in her way, and she was forever thinking how she could get all the fortune for her daughter. And the evil one filled her mind with this, till she quite hated the little boy, and slapped him here, and cuffed him there, until the unhappy child was in continual terror. For when he came out of school, he had no peace in any place. One day, the woman had gone upstairs to her room, and her little daughter went up too, and said, Mother, give me an apple. Please? (laughs) What's the magic word? Yes, my child, said the woman, and gave her a fine apple out of the chest. Mother, said the little daughter, is brother not to have one too? Aww. This made the woman angry. (gasps) But she said, yes, when he comes out of school. And when she saw from the window that he was coming, it was just as if the devil entered into her. Oh dear. And she snatched at the apple and took it away from her daughter and said, you shall not have one before your brother. Then she threw the apple into the chest and shut it. Then the little boy came in the door, and the devil made her say to him kindly, My son. <laughs> She's just possessed at this point. <laughs> like a puppet. <laughs> My son, will you have an apple? And she looked wickedly at him. Mother, said the little boy, how dreadful you look. Yes, give me an apple. <laughs> <laughs> you look awful, yeah, give me one. Then it seemed to her as if she were forced to say to him, Come with me. And she opened the lid of the chest and said, Take out an apple for yourself. And while the little boy was stooping inside, the devil prompted her and crash! She shut the lid down and his head flew off and (gasps) fell among the red apples. What? No! She didn't trap him inside. She just decapitated her own stepson. Yeah. What? Yeah. (laughs) That is the single worst thing that's happened so far in all of these stories. (laughs) Chopping a kid's head off. And now his head is in the trunk of the apples. And the worst thing is, someone's going to mistake that for a lovely apple. We're going to have a right shock. <laughs> it's about to get worse. Oh, know. no. Then she was overwhelmed with terror and thought, oh, if I could but make them think that it was not done by me. So oh, she no. went upstairs to her room, to her chest of drawers, and took a white handkerchief out of the top drawer and set the head back on the neck again. What? And folded the handkerchief so that nothing could be seen. <gasps> and she set him on a chair in front of the door and put the apple in his hand. So she's wrapped the wrapped it round so that she's carefully balanced the head back on the yeah. stump. Just tied a little handkerchief around it to cover the join. Lovely little neckerchief. Yeah. And he's just like something from Madame Two Swords. <laughs> he's holding the apple as well. Rigor mortis is set in. <laughs> oh dear. After this, Marlinkin came into the kitchen to her mother, who was standing by the fire with a pan of hot water before her, which she was constantly stirring around. Mother, said Marlinkin, brother is sitting at the door and he looks quite white and has an apple in his hand. I asked him to give me the apple, but he did not answer me and I was quite frightened. Go back to him, said her mother. And if he will not answer you, give him a box on the ear. Oh, no. So Marlinkin went to him and said, This is Brother, awful. give me the apple. But he was silent. <laughs> so she, she punched And she gave him a box on the ear. <laughs> no. On which his head fell down. Marlinkin was terrified and began crying and screaming and ran to her mother and said, Alas, mother, I have knocked my brother's head off. <laughs> and she wept and wept and could not be comforted. Marlinkin, said the mother, what have you done? But be quiet and do not let anyone know about it. Cannot be helped now. We will make him into black puddings. What? Then the mother... (laughs) 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 Then the mother took the little boy and chopped him in pieces. 
No. Put him into the pan. No. And made him into black puddings. But Marlinkin stood by weeping and weeping, and all her tears fell into the pan, and there was no need of any salt. <laughs> That's not the end, right? That's no, that is not the end. No. So she's... <laughs> that would be the worst what? ending ever. <laughs> so she's traumatised her daughter into thinking she's punched her son, yeah. her brother to death by punching his head off. Yeah. And then she's gone, nothing else to do. Make him into black pudding. Have a lovely full English. They've, uh, yeah. They're making him into black pudding and she's just crying into the pot, just seasoning it. Uh, <laughs> mother, she's... just taste it. Not quite enough. Could you just... Uh... Well, she's crying. The mother just picks her up and brings her near the pot. Just <laughs> leans her over shaker, the pot. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> this is awful. Isn't this insane? And the dad's just at work. <laughs> well, then the father came home and sat down to dinner and said, But where is my son? And the mother served up a great dish of black puddings and Marlinkin wept and could not leave off. Then the father said again, But where is my son? Ah, said the mother, He has gone across the country to his mother's great uncle. He will stay there a while. And what is he going to do there? He did not even say goodbye to me. Oh, he wanted to go and ask me if he might stay six weeks. Uh, he is well taken care of there. Ah, said the man. I feel so unhappy. It's not right what he's done. He ought to have said goodbye to me. With that, he began to eat and said, Marlinkin, why are you crying? Your brother will certainly come back. Then he said, mm. Ah, wife. Everyone says, ah. Everyone starts their sentences with ah in this story. Ah. <laughs> ah, wife. How delicious this food is. Give me some more. And the more he ate, the more he wanted to have. And he said, Give me some more. You shall have none of it. It seems to me as if it were all mine. What? What is happening? And he ate and ate and threw all the bones under the table until he had finished the whole of all the black puddings. Do black puddings have bones in? I'm not sure about that. They do when they're made of little red and white boy. <laughs> Marlinkin went away to her chest of drawers and took her best silk handkerchief out of the bottom drawer and got all the bones from beneath the table and tied them up in her silk handkerchief and she carried them out the door, weeping tears of blood. Whoa! It's just like a nightmare, isn't this it? This is awful. This she is should insane. get that checked out. <laughs> oh, this is just so macabre. So Marlinkin's taken the bones to the juniper tree, which began to stir itself, and the branches parted and moved together again, just as if someone were rejoicing and clapping his hands. At the same time, a mist appeared to arise from the tree, and at the centre of this mist, it burned like a fire. And a beautiful bird flew out of the fire, singing magnificently. And he flew high up in the air. And when he was gone, the juniper tree was just as it had been before. And the handkerchief with the bones was no longer there. Marlinkin, however, was as gay and happy as if her brother was still alive. And she went merrily into the house and sat down to dinner and ate. Blimey, Charlie. Should we just take stock for a second? She's... Are you okay, Adam? I just want to see if you're okay. This is quite traumatic. She's collected up her brother's bones after her dad's just gone, this is really good. No, no, this is really good. You'll not have any. He's just eating his son, just without realising. Mm -hmm. Chuck the bones under the table. Yeah. She's gathered the bones. What did she do? Pop them under the juniper tree? Yeah, she put them under the juniper tree. And the juniper tree came to light, clapped its hands. <laughs> burst into flames, a bird flew out and yeah. sung... And then it's flown really high and the juniper tree's back to normal and the daughter's like feels really happy. Same as the mother did. And the bones are gone. Dun, dun, dun. Now we're gonna now we're gonna go hang out with that bird, Adam. The bird flew away and lighted on a goldsmith's house and began to sing 
My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Monken, gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Twit, twit, what a beautiful bird am I. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful song. Oh, you don't know the half of it. The goldsmith was sitting in his workshop making a gold chain. When he... <laughs> a little bit tacky, but yeah. When he heard the bird which was sitting singing on the roof, and very beautiful the song seemed to him. <laughs> it's beautiful, you're not wrong. He stood... Well, yeah, you loved it, didn't oh, you? It's lovely. He's loving it as well. I want a CD of that. He stood up, but as he. <laughs> CD, <I> want... <laughs> <laughs> He stood up, but as he crossed the threshold, he lost one of his slippers. <laughs> but, he, but he walked right up the middle of the street with one shoe on and one sock. He had his apron on, and in one hand he had the gold chain, and in the other his pincers. And the sun was shining brightly on the street. <laughs> Sorry. What, what is happening? What is happening? He's just like, hmm. Gets up, walks down the street with one shoe on. And one sock. Then he went right over and stood still and said to the bird, Bird, how beautifully you can sing. Sing me that piece again. No, said the bird. <laughs> I'll not sing it twice for nothing. Give me the golden chain, and then I will sing it for you again. Oh. There, said the goldsmith. There is the golden chain for you. Now sing me that song again. Then the bird came and took the golden chain in his right claw and went and sat in front of the goldsmith and sang, My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlinkin, gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Quit, quit. What a beautiful bird am I. Then the bird flew away to a shoemaker. And lighted <laughs> With on... the gold chain. Yeah, I think the gold chain's in his right claw. Yeah. Keep that in mind. And he lighted on his roof and sang, My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlinkin, gathered together my all my bones. bones. <laughs> Tied them in a silken handkerchief. Laid them beneath the juniper tree. Quit, quit. What a beautiful bird am, am I. Oh, that's my favourite bit. Oh, I love that bit. <laughs> what a beautiful bird am I. Oh, beautiful, isn't it? Oh, I love it. It doesn't rhyme. No, quite it doesn't quite scan. The shoemaker heard that and ran outside before even putting on a coat. Oh, and no. And he looked up at his roof and was forced to hold his hand before his eyes lest the sun should blind him. Bird, said he, how beautifully you can sing. Then he called in at his door. Wife, just come outside. There Wife. is a bird. Look at that bird. He can <laughs> sing so well. <laughs> so exciting. Then he called his daughter and children and apprentices, boys and girls, and they all came up the street and looked at the bird and saw how beautiful he was and what fine red and green feathers he had and how like real gold his neck was and how his eyes shone like the stars. Wow. Bird, said the shoemaker. Now sing me that song again. Nay, said the bird, I do not sing twice for nothing. You must give me something. A shoe. Wife, said the man, go to the garret. On the top shelf there stands a pair of red shoes. Bring them down. Then the wife went and brought the shoes. There, bird, said the man. Now sing me that piece again. Then the bird came and took the shoes in his left claw and wow. flew back on the roof and sang... My mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister, little Marlinkin, gathered together all, all my bones. bones. Tied them in a silken handkerchief. Laid them beneath the juniper tree. Twit, twit. What a beautiful bird, bird am I. And once he had sung it, he flew away. In his right claw, he had the chain and the shoes in his left. And he flew far away to a mill. And there, the mill went click-clap. Clip clap, clip clap. The mill did. And in the mill sat twenty miller's men hewing a stone and cutting. Hick hack, hick hack, hick hack. And the mill went clip clap, clip clap, clip clap. Yeah. And then the bird went and he sat on a lime tree in front of the mill. He's feeling it's like, that. And it's like, my sister gathered all my bones. No, whatever. <laughs>
versus nodding like yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm feeling that it's a sick beat mm. yeah that's sick my mother she killed me then one of them stopped working one of the millers stopped working because uh-uh. he heard that my father he ate me then two more stopped working and listen to that my sister little Marlinkin. then four more stopped <gasps> gathered together all my bones tied them in a silken handkerchief now eight only were hewing laid them beneath now only five the <laughs> juniper tree now only one wow. twit twit what a beautiful bird am I. Oh. Then the last stopped also and heard the last words. Bird, said he, how beautifully you can sing. Let me too hear that. Sing that once more for me. Nay, said the bird, <laughs> I will not sing twice for nothing. Give me the millstone and then I will sing it again. What? Yes, said he. If it belonged to only me, you should have it. Yes, said the others. If he sings again, he shall have it. Then the bird came down and the twenty millers all set to work with a beam and raised the stone up. And the bird stuck his neck through the hole. What? And put the no. stone on as if it were a collar. <laughs> and flew onto the tree again. What? And sang. My mother, she killed me. My, my father, father, he ate, ate me. me. My sister, little Marlinkin. Gathered together all my bones. Tied them in a silken handkerchief. <laughs> laid them beneath the juniper tree. Quit, quit. What a beautiful, beautiful bird, bird am I. And when he was done singing, he spread his wings, and in his right claw he had the chain, and in his left the shoes, and round his neck the millstone, and he flew far away to his father's house. The bird's going home, Adam. He's going home with a millstone around his neck. <laughs> yes. Get any idea how big those things are? <laughs> in the room sat the father. So he's back. We're back home now. We're back in the house. In the room sat the father, the mother, yeah. and Marlinkin to dinner. And the father said, "How light-hearted I feel! How happy I am!" Nay, said the mother. I feel so uneasy, just as if a heavy storm were coming. (gasps) Marlinkin, however, sat weeping and weeping, and then came the bird flying, and as it seated itself on the roof, the father said, Ah, I feel so truly happy, and the sun is shining so beautifully outside. I feel just as if I were about to see some old friend again. Nay, said the woman, I feel so anxious. My teeth chatter. I seem to have fire in my veins. Uh Uh-oh. She's losing it a bit. Yeah. And she tore her bodice open. But Marlinkin sat in a corner crying and held her apron over her eyes and cried till it was quite wet. Then the bird sat on the juniper tree and sang, My mother, she killed me. Then the mother plugged her ears and shut her eyes and would not see or hear, but there was like a roaring in her ears like the most violent storm, and her eyes burned and flashed like lightning. My father, he ate me. Ah, mother, said the man. That is a beautiful bird. Mother? Is he saying mother to his wife? I don't know. (laughs) He sings so splendidly and the sun shines so warm and there is a smell just like cinnamon. (laughs) (laughs) He's having a a hemorrhage. (laughs) Smells like cinnamon. My sister, little Marlinkin. Then Marlinkin laid her head on her knees and wept without ceasing. But the man said, I'm going out. I must see the bird quite close. Oh, don't go, said the woman. I feel as if the whole house were shaking and on fire. <laughs> but, the, but the man went out and looked at the bird. Gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Twit, twit, what a beautiful bird am I. No, wait. What a beautiful bird am <laughs> On this, the bird let the golden... So the dad's gone outside. And uh, the bird let the golden chain fall, and it fell exactly round the man's neck, and it fitted beautifully. Oh, nice. Then he went in and said, Just look what a fine bird that is, and what a handsome gold chain he's given me, and how pretty he is. 
But the woman was terrified and fell down on the floor in the room and her cap fell off her head. Then sang the birds. <laughs> well, oh no. <laughs> Not the cap. No. That's the real tragedy. Then sang the bird once more. My mother, she killed me. If only I were a thousand feet beneath the earth so as not to hear that. My father, he ate me. Then the woman fell down again as if dead. My sister, little Marlinkin. Ah, said Marlinkin. I too will go out and see if the bird will give me anything. She went out. What is going on there? <laughs> <laughs> this is just nuts. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Let's just take stock of what's happening here. Should we slow, should what I slow down? What is happening? Are you with me? I might have left like, you behind a while ago. What, what is happening? Oh, I've got a gold chain. Oh, that's nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, said Marlinkin. I too will go out and see if the bird will give me anything. And she went out. Gathered together all my bones, tied them in a silken handkerchief. Then he threw down the shoes to her, laid them beneath the juniper tree. Quit, quit, what a beautiful, what a beautiful bird. Then she was light-hearted and joyous, and she put on the new red shoes and danced and leaped into the house. Nice. Ah, said she. Ah, everyone says ah. <laughs> ah, my feet hurt. I was so sad when I went out, and now I am so light-hearted. That is a splendid bird. He has given me a pair of red shoes. Well, said the woman, and sprang to her feet, and her hair stood up like flames of fire. I feel as if the world were coming to an end. I too will go out. And she see. is tripping. And see. I too will go out and see if my heart feels lighter. As she went out the door, crash! The bird threw down the millstone on her head, and she was entirely crushed by it. <laughs> you didn't expect that. The father and Marlinkin heard what had happened and went out, and smoke... Flames and fire were rising, and when that was over, there stood the little brother. What? And he took, <laughs> and he took his father and Marlinkin by the hand, and all three were right glad, and they, <laughs> and they went into the house for dinner and ate. The end. I told you, you couldn't ever unhear that story. Once you've heard the juniper tree, there's no going back. Your time of innocence is over, Adam. I've got PTSD. (laughs) That's insane. Do you feel like the Grimm's jumped the shark with this one? (laughs) Harsh review there off the bat. It's nuts, isn't it? It's completely nuts. Immediately one of my favourites. Is it? I mean, there's no question. (laughs) (laughs) It's meant... Because, um... You know, everyone's got this vague idea of, like, oh, yeah, the Brothers Grimm's mm. uh, fairy tales. They're quite dark, aren't they? They're quite... This is what they're talking about. Yeah. Cutting kids' heads off, eating them. <laughs> Birds, like, dropping millstones around people's necks, <laughs> like, on their heads, crushing yeah. them to death. The, the violence in that couldn't really have been worse. No. So, I mean, you were, you were sort of shocked when his head came off. You were like, <laughs> this is all... This is the, you already said that is the worst thing we've heard in these stories. Yeah. Then... 
She pops it back on his pops body. Pops it back on. Which is so macabre. Oh. Then she makes it her daughter feel as if she's killed yeah. her brother to absolutely no end. Then she cooks the boy. So her daughter thinks, yeah. I've got a really strong right hook. Like, I punched my brother's head off. <laughs> I need to take a boxing glove. <laughs> I could go far with this. She cries so much, she cries blood. Yeah. Oof. Then they cook the boy. Yeah. And feed it to the father unknowingly. While the daughter's sitting there crying because the daughter knows what's happening. Yeah. Isn't that so awful? And the, it's obviously really tasty because the dad just eats all of it. I, I mean, I think they did that just so that, yeah, it was just even worse. Yeah, upping the stakes. And when he said, I feel like it were mine. It's like, well, it is. It's your. Yeah, it's your son. Yeah. <laughs> we did We did certify that grim. But for obvious reasons. Yeah, for obvious reasons. But it is. Kind of, it's so mad and trippy that it just almost becomes funny. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a cartoon. It's just ludicrous. Yeah, like in a cartoon, you like someone will get crushed by a thousand-ton weight yeah. or a safe or something, <laughs> and it's okay because it's sort of cartoonish. Yeah. If that were more realistic, it'd be horrendous. You know, someone getting yeah, crushed. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, that's kind of what you're saying. It's kind of dream, dreamlike. This story a little bit as well. It's, it's kind of- it, absolutely mental. Yeah. In terms of the cannibalism, we've had that peripherally before. So we've had mm. that in the Robber Bridegroom where they just bring in an extra and kill her and eat yeah. her. And then in Hansel and Gretel, the witch is trying to eat them, but she doesn't. Yeah. In this, it's just straight up. But um, this is the most grisly cannibalism, I think. Really is. Yeah. It's black the, pudding as well. There's no bones in black pudding. What is going there on? There is now. It's like this black pudding looks suspiciously like a little arm. <laughs> and then where the story gets truly bizarre is the magical journey of the bird. I don't understand that. He went off to get gifts. Mm. Yeah. A gold chain for you. Oh, looking sharp. <laughs> Little red shoes for you. Very nice. And yeah. you get a millstone on your head. Boom. <laughs> crushed. If it crushes her, yeah. why didn't it crush the bird? Just, are you, are you want an answer? I don't <laughs> know, Adam. It's, that's what I mean. It's so trip. It's like yeah, dreamlike, it's really isn't bizarre. it? The, the laws of physics sort go, of go completely out the out window. window yeah. Because often, even if you have magic in a story, it still needs to have its own internal logic. So even though the boy has been turned into a bird, weights should, should still work the same. Yeah. But in this story, no. Like, it's just there's no logic except you just have to go with what you're being told, right? Yeah. So you mentioned there, you said when we were reading the story, like, the song, you were like, they're not picking up on it. And it, and it dawned on me when, when I was reading this that it's almost like people can't understand the song. It just sounds like a bird. Oh, uh, right. And Except then, they're able to communicate with him talking. Yes, except when, when he negotiates a pair of shoes. When they're negotiating the price, yeah. he can speak fluent German. <laughs> but um, the laws of nature are just out the window. Like, we don't, it's so unclear no, it's what's almost, happening. I feel like um, all these characters, particularly the dad, I guess, are like in a sort of trance. Mm. Like... He eats the black pudding and is like, this is so good. And like, the, it's all kicking off the birds yeah. singing. The mum's like got lightning coming out of her eyes or whatever it was. And he's just like, this is beautiful. Like got the spinning things in his eyes. <laughs> he's so useless, the dad as well. He really is pathetic. He's just like, where's my son? Oh, I'm going to eat this. Yummy. Oh, there's so a lovely good. song. Oh, I've got a gold chain. While his <laughs> wife's it. like screaming on the floor. He's like, I'm just going to pop outside. Yeah. He's just so gormless, the dad. Yeah, he didn't grieve very much over his first wife either. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's just such a matter of fact. Yeah. It's grieving. After enough time has passed, he got a new one. But it's it's clear in there that he's sad. But it's just so... It's like an alien explaining human emotions. It's like, at first he cried a lot. 
Then he cried less. Then he got a new wife. <laughs> like, it's just so brutal. The three stages of grief. Well, it's something that uh, stood out to me that yeah. sounded like uh, it just reminds me of something. So it must have been where Marlinkin drops the bones by the juniper tree. Mm-hmm. And the juniper tree claps its hand. <laughs> now, I don't know if you remember at primary school, there's, uh, in, so in England, uh, a lot of primary schools, a lot of them are traditionally quite linked to sort of Church of England kind of stuff. And you end yeah, up yeah. singing like hymns and things in, yeah. uh, in assembly. And one of the things you sing is, I kind of forget how most of it goes. Think, and the trees of the field shall clap, shall clap the hands. Do you remember that? I mean, are you like, did you grow up in like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the Blair Witch Project? <laughs> you remember this, right? Ah, uh, it does ring a bell, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't, to answer your question. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> you dodged that question. Um, well, okay, you do, some, do some research, some homework on that. I think in the story it said, like, it just says that the branches are swaying and um, hitting each other as if they were rejoicing. As if they were... Ah, uh, okay, so this hymn is based off Isaiah 55, 12. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Goodness me, Adam. You've done much better research than I have. <laughs> That's incredible. And it's also, there's a Sufian Stevens song called All the Trees of the Field Will Clap Their Hands. Well, Adam, you've led me beautifully okay. onto uh, an interesting part of this story. It's massively biblical. The juniper tree is ah. massively biblical. I wondered. So it's way more biblical than the other stories. So it's more biblical in the sense, not that they're always banging on about God or like, God no, will save but us. it's sort of a symbolic thing, isn't they're, it? Uh, well, it's not, it's not even symbolic. There are direct allusions to the Bible in this story. Uh-huh. So first of all, you've got the 2000 years, 2000 years thing. ago. Woman feeding man something forbidden is like Adam and Eve. Yeah. Eating the body is like the Eucharist resurrection of the boy uh-huh. then you've got the bird which is a symbol of the holy spirit the holy ghost as well. right the juniper tree as well specifically there's a scene in the bible where elijah is fleeing from jezebel uh-huh. uh, and he prays for death and he rests under a juniper tree oh, right. an angel wakes him up gives him some grub and says you're now going off to being the big man so she takes him up to heaven so right. in the bible the juniper tree is sort of a space between life and death between heaven and earth Interesting, isn't it? Red and wow. white boy, even, is yeah. in the Bible. Really? Now, listen, Adam. The book of Isaiah says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Right. The idea of someone being whiter than white, the idea of cleansing sin, sin being red, red, mm-hmm. evil, white, pure, clean. Wow, interesting. Well... Yeah, I mean, I try to look into interpretations, but it seems like you need a degree in theology to understand <laughs> yeah. that. But it is a really well-known uh, passage from the Bible. Yeah, I've heard of that. I don't quite know what it is. I think it means maybe that your, maybe your sin is not actually who you are, so you can wash away the sin and you are actually underneath white as snow. Or maybe it means I can see your sins even if you try and hide them. I'm not quite sure. No, I, I took that to mean that someone being saved, like a sinner being saved by Christ. That's kind of how I understood that. I'll, I'll take that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this red and white red thing. Red and white. Interesting. Uh, because that was, we didn't even talk about that. That is just like completely bizarre. Uh, finally, the millstone round the neck even. From the book of Matthew, 
the best Bible book, obviously. Mm -hmm. Jesus is quoted as saying, uh, in relation to being mean to children, if you give them a hard time, bullying or taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd be better off dropped in the middle of a lake with a millstone around your neck. That's straight from the Jesus mouth. That is Wow. Strong words. Millstone around the neck is a biblical symbol of revenge and punishment against hurting children. Yeah. And also, the Brothers Grimm noted that uh, millstone around the neck is also in a Viking saga story. Don't mess or the millstone, basically. Millstone as punishment is a biblical thing. Yeah. The Grimm's source for this story was a contemporary painter named Philip Otto Runge. He published a version of this story in 1808 in the journal Zeitung für Einsiedler. That is definitely not how you pronounce that. Zeitung für Einsiedler. 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 Uh, He gave, personally, he gave Mm -hmm. this story to the Grimm's. So he was a painter by trade, but he published a couple of folktales. So he's quite um, artistic. He is. He's an artistical chap. Yeah, which is represented in the story. It's a bit looser. Right. It's a bit... It feels different. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you thought the Grimms had jumped the shark. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. Blame it on Philip. Turns <laughs> out they got a painter to write a story. <laughs> uh, Runge's version is the earliest written account of the story mm-hmm. from 1808. Uh, but many versions have been recorded of it since then, including The Crow's Nest, Hungary, The Rose Tree, England, The Milk White Doo, or Dove, from Scotland, the Green Bird, Palestine, the June Apple Tree from Eastern Kentucky. All of these stories belong to ATU type 720. My mother killed me, my father ate me. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing, what an amazing. So, Beautiful, isn't it? It's lovely. Straight to the point. Um, did you say East Kentucky? Yeah. The June Apple Tree. The June Apple Tree. Like the juniper tree. <laughs> Don't the June apple tree. Someone misheard it. <laughs> what was that? The June apple tree? Oh dear. He's <laughs> taking the best out. Yeah, I am sorry. Kentuckians, is that how you call them? Can they call them? <laughs> the what tree? Oh, the June apple tree. Oh, the June apple tree. <laughs> oh, I, I think that's what you said. <laughs> so in these stories, the type of bird can change. The, yeah. Uh, crow, as I mentioned there from Hungary. You've also got a cuckoo and many other birds. The tree can change. It's not always a juniper tree. Oh, okay. It can be an almond tree. A rose tree. The English version has a rose tree. The gender of the children can change as well. Oh, okay. So it could be a boy or a girl. Uh, you could have worked that out for yourself. <laughs> uh, basically, the essence is that a stepmother kills her stepchild, feeds it uh, to the daddy. The bones turn into a lovely bird, which comes back and brings retribution. That's basically, when you strip away all the madness, yeah, that's, that's the essence what it boils down to. of that story. Yeah. Now, as you pointed out there, you notice the sort of flowery uh, artistic embellishments in this story. Yes. So I have seen that some people suggested Philip Otto Runge invented the story. Right. Because all other versions appear after that. Yeah. However, I think the general consensus is there are so many different versions and they're so varied and spread out mm-hmm. that it is likely to have been a folk story. Also, as evidence that it wasn't invented by Philip, there's a scene in Goethe's Faust mm-hmm. uh, where a character sings... Who killed me dead? My mother the whore. Who ate my flesh? My father for sure. Little sister gathered the bones he scattered. In a cool, cool place they lie. And then I became a birdie so fine. And away I fly. Away I fly. 
the brothers Grimm picked up on this. Wow. <laughs> and uh, they they state that he in their notes that Goethe must have taken this story from oral tradition. So. Right. I right. know what you mean. It was weird, and it came from a painter. That's the first account yeah. of it. But it's likely that it was a real folk tale. Maybe quite yeah. not quite so flowery. Yeah, maybe it was. It was just embellishments, sort of, hmm. that just push it that bit closer to the surreal. Well, uh, this this is the thing you have to remember with folk tales and oral tales is they are so varied. That's that's why you have the Arne Thompson thing. Like in essence, my mother killed me, my father ate me. You can find all these stories, but you have to find the bare bones. What is the story? Yeah. It's, it's interesting also that, because in some of the other stories we've heard, like, think of, like, the louse and the flea, maybe. You've got talking brooms and doors and trees and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't necessarily strike you as mental as... There's something about this story, you mm. know, a stepmother slamming a chest onto the head of mm. her stepson to cut his head off. There's something about that that's just infinitely weirder than anything that's come before. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. That even though there are things that which are even further removed from reality mm. in some of the other stories, okay, yeah. they don't sh- strike you as yeah. bizarre as this story. It's a, it's a unique story, this yeah, one. Yeah, it really and, is. Um, it's actually a really famous one. Obviously, there's one listener that would be particularly happy that we read this out. Just a quick shout-out to uh, to Rob of Totalis Ranking. He was keen for us to... Uh, to read this thank you rob yeah good suggestion excellent i <laughs> you weren't wrong in well, everything you said about it Right, so I think we should, we're should. we getting close to the score now, Adam. There's just yeah. one more thing I need to tell you about the juniper tree. Go on. There's an Icelandic film from the year 1990 called Ooh. The Juniper Tree. No way. Starring a young Bjork. No, she, she acted. She acted in it. It was her Amazing. debut screen role. She would have been quite young then. She was 24, I think. Wow. The film was directed by Nitschka Keen, who I think is an American director. It looks really intense. Yeah. It's this like black and white, dark, magical Icelandic film. It's based very loosely on the story of the juniper tree. <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind here, Adam. Go on. The juniper tree yeah. is being re-released <gasps> in the spring of 2019. No way. That's now. That's <laughs> like right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been restored to a 4K. I think the University of Wisconsin was involved in doing this. And it may well be showing in a theatre near you. <laughs> Check that out. It's been favourably reviewed by the New York Times and IndieWire, which gave it a B plus. And uh, I think bad. we're going to saddle up after this and go scout down a local cinema showing the juniper tree. Let's check it out. So, but before we do that, what scores. score do you think you could give the juniper tree? Scores. Um, do you know what? A figure had already popped into my head. When? What? With the... Earlier, Ooh. just while we're talking about it, I was just sort of you just zoned out digesting. while I was doing prattling on. Do you know when you you have a big meal? I can't wait for this metaphor. <laughs> I can't wait for this metaphor, Adam. You, eat you a, know when you eat <laughs> the ma- black puddings are all eaten up. <laughs> you eat a massive meal, and your body has to digest it. So you kind of shut down as you're digesting the meal. 
Yeah, That's what I've been doing it. mentally. I've shut down a bit while I'm digesting the story. Okay. But I've digested Adam it. is a joy when you go out for dinner with him. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just eat. I just finish my meal, and when it comes time to pay, I just go... <laughs> <laughs> digesting. <laughs> um... Yes. Okay. So I do have a figure. So what's what, what's what's popped out the other end of your digestion? <laughs> what scores popped out as after I've digested it? Uh, I think a nine. That's a massive score. It's, I, <laughs> I mean, wow, a nine, Adam. It's, yeah. That's one of your highest. I think that is my highest. That is your highest. Yeah. I've never given anything higher than that. I don't, I don't think so. Nine. So that is officially your favourite story so far. I think so. It's kind of everything an outsider might think Brothers Grimm fairy tales are. You think, oh, that might that must be fun reading them. They're really dark. Mm. This is what they're thinking of. Really dark stuff. And I like it. This was the one you've been waiting for. It's not necessarily... Um, so, like, a recent one I scored quite highly was Wishing Table, The Gold Ass and the Cuddle in the Sack. Yeah. But that was more, the story was told in a satisfying way. And it sort of went down these parallel timelines of the yeah. different characters. And then we went, meanwhile, this mm-hmm. has been going. And there was, that was really, there was something really satisfying about that. This yeah. is more just stuff went down and <laughs> uh, it was nuts. Yeah. Uh, what can I say? Yeah. I feel compelled. I think if you're going to be a, a nuts story, you can't beat that. No. And I like that the violence started right at the beginning. Yeah. It was like, oh dear, it's the worst possible situation starting out you could have. Yeah. How can we rectify this? I know. A magical golden bird with eyes like stars will (laughs) fly around and singing and getting a millstone. Did it have stars in its eyes? Oh, you're right. It was like the stars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, no. Yeah, fair enough. And nine. And you? Me? Uh, I'm just delaying because I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I have no idea. Um, I really want to give it an eight. Okay. But I'm still smarting over the fact that I didn't give the wishing table, the gold ass, and the cuddle in the sack an eight. I gave it a seven point five, and uh-huh. I'd be I'm loath to give this a higher score than that. Oh, really? But this is just really quite something. This it really story. Is. It really is. And it has had a massive impact. Everybody knows Hansel and Gretel, Red Riding Hood, Cinderella, Snow yeah. White, but. A lot of people know the juniper tree. Right. It's a well-known one. Uh, and there's a reason for that, I think, because it's quite... I can, I can definitely see that. Quite powerful. Um, I'll give it an eight. Okay, eight. I'm going to do it. You go for it. You go for it. I'm sorry, gold ass, wishing table, cudgel sack. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Hey, I've got injustices back with my scoring, too. <laughs> you just have to move on. You've just, just got to go with what you feel yeah. in the moment. You've got to look forward, not backwards. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is a 17 after That's 20. One of the highest Definitely. scoring stories we've had so far. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that result. Wonderful. Right. Before we go, Adam, you've got to read out a couple of messages. This has been quite a long episode, so we're going to read out two little short ones. Yeah, so obviously a few episodes ago now, we ran a, a competition, and we had so many messages come through that we couldn't read them all out in one episode, so we're sort of sprinkling them across the last few episodes that are coming out. And so this episode... We'll read out a couple of messages that we had on Twitter. Let's do it. Such as this one from the Why Is That podcast, mm. who says, My favourite story you have read so far is The Mouse, The Bird and The Sausage. Partially because it was a new story to me, and partially because picturing a sausage as a main character the whole time 
was rather hilarious, which I completely agree. That, <laughs> that is, that is tickled us very early on in the podcast. Definitely. That really stood out. The Why Is That Pod is another great podcast. Um, they, can't remember the chap's name, but he basically explains why stuff is the way it is. So like uh, he did, I think, like the months of the year, why they're called what they are. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Days of the week, things like that. And it's a really lo- lovely little podcast. So check that oh, out. That's great. And thanks for getting in touch. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks very much. And we also have a message on Twitter from Roz K., who says, my favourite story was the robber bridegroom because it was the right balance of scary slash suspenseful and in the end, justice was served. It was the fairy tale version of Silence of the Lambs. Oh, I like that comparison. I've always been a a fan of scary movies as a kid and this always fascinated me. (laughs) I agree, yeah. It's it's kind of, it is suspenseful. It's edgy, you see stuff. We said at the time it's like a horror film. It is like that. It's not just dark. It's like you're you're biting your fingernails because you don't know what's going to happen. So in that sense, Silence of the Lambs is probably quite a good comparison. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Roz. Yeah, thanks very much, Roz. That's great. Final order of business. We've got one more message to read out, actually, that we received after last week's episode. Yes. Yeah, so last week we were talking about riddles, and we talked about Samson's riddle with the the lion and the bees. And Adam blew my mind <laughs> by explaining that part of the riddle can be found on a tin of. Lyle's Golden Syrup, popular in UK supermarkets. And we posed the question, is that just a UK thing? Does anyone outside the UK know what we're talking about? And we've got a message through from Michael Jackson who says, Lyle's Golden Syrup has been sold in my region, brackets, Washington State, as long as I can remember. And I'm getting up there. So it turns out it's not just a UK thing. Unbelievable. Amazing. You can get it in at least two places in the world. Hopefully more. <laughs> the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Washington, Washington State. Washington State, USA. Thank you so much, Michael, for confirming that. Okay, so next up, we've got The Hare's Bride. Yes, indeed. Can't Mm -hmm. wait for that. Now, just to say, when we finish The Hare's Bride, the next episode will be Rapunzel, and then we'll be at the end of this cycle of stories, and then we're going to have a little break. Yeah, we've been doing this for nearly a year now, and uh, we just want a little bit of a break for the summer, really. Everyone needs a summer holiday. Yeah, we're going to be heading down to the port. We're going to catch a ship and go off uh, into the exciting adventures for a while. Into the exciting adventures. Oh, that's the best place to go. (laughs) It's it's the number one destination on (laughs) TripAdvisor. We'll come back to Castle Grimm and get cracking again. Get cracking, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. I'll see you next week. uh, Next, not next week, in two weeks' time, Adam, for... The Hare's Bride. Did you... uh, Have you done your RSVP yet for the wedding? Uh, I haven't actually. I probably uh, need to get on that. I, I would. Have you done it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, blimey. Right. I better go. Okay. Great. It's been lovely. It's been fun. It's been great. It's been great. <laughs> Don't kill children. See you That's next time. Great advice. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Bye. Bye. You can email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod. Also on Instagram and Facebook, Grim Reading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. Keep it grim.